So we are back with Lisa Bain yet again from Lindblad Expeditions. She is the vice president of sales for North America. For those of you who didn't listen to last week's episode, I would highly recommend that you do that. It was a fun one. We gave an overview of Lindblad, what you can expect from the company. But today we're going to talk about more of the planning, trip planning, maybe some of the itineraries and excursions. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and let Lisa kick us off with some news about this summer. Oh, yeah, and it's big news. It's really exciting news. So we are restarting this June in Alaska and Galapagos. I feel like there should be a really big drum roll or something. Um, Yeah, we're very, very, (laughs) very, very excited. We announced it earlier this week. Um, So we will be going back into Alaska on the National Geographic Quest and the National Geographic Venture. So there are our 2,100 guest expedition ships up there. Um, And that's our Alaska's Coastal Wilderness itinerary, which is a stunning exploration of all the little nooks and crannies up in Alaska. So... Glacier National Bay, uh, the Inian Islands. I mean, just you imagine coming into a small little area um, and you're surrounded by otters popping up out of the water or if, you, you, if we come across bubble uh, net feeding whales, we can stop and we just spend the time. We, we are on our own schedule. We're led by the wildlife. So we are so excited to be going back into Alaska this summer. And then also Galapagos. We're starting back in Galapagos in June on the National Geographic Endeavour 2. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of protocols that go with that and um, requirements and all of that's on the website. And some great frequently asked questions have already been answered there. But it, it, it is, is such a wonderful feeling to know that we'll be back in the water, out exploring um, here very soon. Yay. (laughs) Yes, I know. It's good. I mean, it's good news all around. Like, it's great for you all, for the company, but it's just such, it's so encouraging to hear all of these companies that are planning to return and especially you all being able to return in the Galapagos. That's, that's so cool. I, yeah. Ralph did a Galapagos trip a couple of years ago and that just the, speaking of, we talked about pictures last time and how I never take pictures of anything that the pictures from that trip are spectacular. I mean, that is such a beautiful trip. It is. Yeah, it is. It's hard not to take a beautiful photo in Galapagos. I mean, you are so close to the wildlife. You are so, it's such an intimate wildlife experience. Um, You know, wildlife there has no concern for you at all. Um, There is no fear. You are, you are as much enrichment to them as they are to you. And so that, that's what makes it really special. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of, you know, just beautiful places, bucket list destinations, I want to hear some of your favorite itineraries that Lindblad offers. And then I know that you have a couple new itineraries or quite a few new itineraries. Oh, yeah. If you want to highlight those. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's always a hard one, right? When people ask you, what's your favorite itinerary? Um, Because I think it's the one you did last um, Mm. because they all steal your heart. I will tell you that Antarctica is one of the places I will spend the rest of my life figuring out how to get back to. Um, it is it is a life-changing, remarkable, beautiful, uh, ethereal. I mean, there's just not enough words to explain how beautiful it is. Um, and, and I am going to wax lyrically here for a second, but one of the things that people always say to me is, well, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm worried about the Drake Passage. 
uh, you know, the Drake, the Drake Passage gets a bad rap. You know, it can be very rough. It can also be extremely flat. It's called the Drake Lake or the Drake Shake. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very narrow crossing. It's the, actually the narrowest crossing between any continent and Antarctica. Um, and, you know, but you can, get, you can get pretty bad weather anywhere on the oceans. But the ships are built to traverse this region. And from the moment you step off from Ushuaia, down the Beagle Channel and then turn right to cross the Drake Passage, you are in the experience. It, you are that anticipation, that building of excitement is palpable. You you see that first chunk of ice. Um, you see something the size of a car and you get so excited because, oh, there's an iceberg and our expedition team kind of looks at you like, hmm. Yep, sure. Um, and then you go on a little further and you see a piece of ice that's the size of a house and the size of a, you know, a tall skyscraper and then something the size of a city block. And it just builds. That It is amazing how it's just on one experience after the other. The first penguin, you, you reach the convergence where the colder currents meet the warmer waters and you get all of this activity and bird life. And then all of a sudden, Antarctica just rises up out of the ocean in front of you. And, and there's, there is this feeling of arrival and, and accomplishment that you have done something that so few people on this planet will ever, ever do. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it just goes from there. Um, you know, so it is such a special place that it kind of has its own little spot in your heart. I think it's it's a bit like Africa when people say, you know, Africa steals a part of your heart and you feel like you've always got to go back. Antarctica does the same thing. Um, but I will say that Alaska, um, you know, a lot of people see the big ads for Alaska and it's all about, you know, going up there and you, you hit the, the key things like the big animals. What's really remarkable about Alaska isn't just the bear and the, you know, the, the big, the whales, but it's all the really tiny stuff. Um, you know, it's the, it's getting on your hands and knees and knowing that beneath your feet there's this carpet of little orchids and carnivorous plants and that as you go for a hike and you get down, you can see bear footprints that are bigger than your, your, your handprint. Mm-hmm. Um, that you'll come across a tree that's been eaten by a beaver. Well, I grew up in Australia. We watched, used to watch Looney Tunes on a Saturday morning, you know, where you see the beaver eat the tree and you think it can't possibly look that way. Yeah. And it does. It's kind of really cool. It's just little beaver chips and it's just, you know, I, you find the joy and the fun in all these little things. But it, everywhere you look in Alaska, you can look in trees in these quiet little, you know, reaches and there are so many bald eagles. They look like Christmas ornaments. And then, you know, you're kayaking and right next to you pops up an otter with her her baby on her chest. And and so it's just, it, it is a remarkable place if you get off the beaten path and you avoid other people, right? And that's the beauty of what we do. It's not about going to the path well-traveled. It's going to all these remarkable places that you're not going to see anybody else. Um, and so Alaska is really, really special. It's, 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 yeah, if you haven't been, you need to go and you need to do it in a way where the wildlife is the star. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and also that's a, such a good destination Alaska is for people that are looking to kind of step back on board a cruise ship who maybe don't want to go or can't go somewhere else in the world right now, especially with your Alaska itineraries restarting at the beginning of June. Um, yeah, 
really good point, and it's it's an easy one to do. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, and just just a remarkable place to explore. That's for sure. Um, and do you want to talk a little bit about the new itineraries as well? Oh my gosh, there's 21. Where shall we start? Yes, I mean, Um, you have a couple of highlights. We'll (laughs) get all of those will be posted on um, on avidcruiser.com as well for those on our blog. So, so um, Japan is amazing. We have three stunning itineraries that come. The first one comes down from Nome and it it traces the coast of Russia, so Petropavlovsk, the Shiponovo River, down through the Kuril Islands, which are just spectacular for that volcanic activity, and into the top of Japan. Um, The second trip is Japan-focused, so if you think the culture, the history, the tea ceremonies, the cuisine, the the music, the arts of um, Japan, and also taking in uh, the Korean Peninsula because we go and we we spend a day with that really amazing Schiller dynasty history. And then the third trip, which is really cool, takes you from Japan, from Kobe, but it traces all those little islands through the Ryukus, like Okinawa, um, and down into Taipei. And what's really cool about this region is it's very different to Japan and Taiwan. Um, And you've got great snorkeling, there's some diving opportunities, beautiful beaches, um, and just the, the culture and the life in this region is really unique and different. Um, so those three are really stunning. Um, we're returning to the Northwest Passage in uh, 2022. That's that stunning arc over Canada. So if you're thinking of the the cultural components, uh, the wildlife, polar bear, whales, I mean, that's a great program. And that'll be on the brand new National Geographic Resolution. So on that wonderful new 126 guest expedition vessel that launches later this year. Um, two of my other favorites that you can put together, we have our trip from Bali to, sorry, from Singapore to Bali. So this one goes, you actually get the chance to go and see Krakatoa. Um, and it takes you through all those amazing islands, um, the Bandas, down into, down into the top of Indonesia and across into uh, Bali. And then the next one is from Bali all the way across to Honiara. But this includes some of the most remarkable places for diving in that coral triangle between Borneo and Papua New Guinea. Uh, And then going into places like the Azmat, which is an amazing cultural experience. And then down around the bottom of Papua New Guinea and then across into Honiara. So those two you can actually put back to back. And it's just a brilliant exploration from Singapore across to Honiara, um, the South Pacific, um, you know, the, the Marquesas Islands are absolutely spectacular. They rise out of the ocean, remarkable, rugged coastal regions. Um, so some brilliant trips in the South Pacific as well. And, and, and that's really just a taste. We're also going to the Bahamas in um, 2022 with some really unique, very off the beaten path explorations of the Bahamas. So um, there's a lot that's happening and some some really remarkable explorations of places um, so yeah, but um, yeah, 21 at the moment. I think there's more to come. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. And uh, yes, of course, we can't go over <laughs> all of them. But Japan, I mean, that's really, that's exciting. I feel like a lot of people are looking to do more exploration, especially uh, cruising in Asia. So that's definitely a trend that I'm seeing. 
Yeah, and a chance to understand it better, right? So to travel with historians. I mean, one of the other layers that I forgot to mention the other day, um, we have on many of our trips, uh, either in residence or supporting our team, an ethnomusicologist. Um, and an ethnomusicologist, um, in this particular instance, Jacob Edgar, they are these amazing people who look at the history of music in a region, the, the musical instruments, why music was created in that area, how it plays into the culture. And what he has done is curated musical components for our expeditions. Actually, we, we now have a Lindblad Spotify channel um, that's curated by Jacob with the music of the places we visit. Um, and so it's bringing all of those senses into an expedition, not just the food and the history and the culture, but also the music of the region. And, and I think that's a really important layer that we've added. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to look up the Spotify too. It's like, not only do I now have these <laughs> this visual from you, now I'm going to have to listen to the music. I'm still thinking about igloos. A week later. <laughs> the igloos, that, yeah. And, yeah, exactly. I, I know. I said I would drop it in again, and I didn't really have a chance, so yeah, I just thought okay. I would just sneak it in there. <laughs> um, I do want to talk, you know, we talked quite a bit, or we danced quite a bit around um, multi-gen travel, and you talked yeah. a little bit. I think you did mention the National Geographic Global Explorers Program. So can you just talk mm -hmm. about um, traveling with kids on your fleet yeah. and, and those itineraries as well? Oh, yeah, I can. So... They're a next generation. I mean, we're leaving this planet to the next generation. And so uh, we put together a program with National Geographic Education called the National Geographic Global Explorers Program. And it started um, in the Galapagos, expanded to Alaska and Baja, and it is expanding to Antarctica at the end of this year. So the Global Explorers Program was designed to allow our younger guests under 18 years of age, and, and there's nothing special needed as soon as, a, as someone under 18 is booked on our ships, it flags them. Um, and every departure in those destinations ha has a Global Explorers educator on board and the program is active. But it means when they get aboard, they have this really super cool um, field notebook that they're provided with. And that field notebook has... Um, spotting lists of wildlife. It has um, scientific experiments that they're going to do. It has illustrations and photography in it. It has places for them to journal, to illustrate. It really becomes a keepsake for them when they return from their expedition. And um, they will meet the field educator on board and they come together. It's really remarkable that these kids who've never known each other very quickly become their own like community within a community. Um, and they will get the chance to go out and learn how to drive a Zodiac, which scares the bejeebies out of anyone who happens to be on the Zodiac with them. Um, but they get to learn to drive a Zodiac. They go and do cool things like plankton samples. Um, they get to go out and do, you know, um, footprints, take impressions of footprints. They... Um, but they have all of these things that they, are their goals for the week. And what is really cool is they don't do it in the absence of their family. They do it with their family. So these aren't separate experiences. Our field educator arms them with the knowledge they need, and then they go out and do it with their family. Um, and so, you know, 20 years from now when they're sitting around the table at Thanksgiving, you know, those are the things you're going to remember, those shared experiences. Um, but the Global Explorers Program is just brilliant at bringing kids together. And one of the things I really always notice when I'm on board and I see it 
is even the quietest child who's, I'm never going to get up and present. At the end of the week, it's remarkable how they they just willingly want to share what they've learned mm. um, and will get up and talk about, oh my gosh, you know, this is my animal of the week. It's an otter. Um, and I'm using my American accent there because I usually say otter. <laughs> it's an otter. Um, <laughs> they will get up and talk about it. And, and, and you can just see the excitement. But we, we get a lot of multi-generational families, particularly in places like Alaska and Galapagos and Baja, uh, and seeing more and more of that in Antarctica as well. Um, you know, parents, grandparents, they want their children to understand, you know, this is the things we do here affect the places here. Um, and you can you can really educate and express that um, when you're in a place like Antarctica. But no, it's it's a brilliant program, you know, and we even with our new ships in Alaska and Galapagos have connecting rooms so that we support our families that are traveling with us you know, the dedicated solo cabins. Um, but I would say it's always important when you're talking multi-generational, particularly for big families, that they book those out well in advance to get the cabins that they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also like, I, as far as multi-gen goes, I also like the idea of looking at multi-gen because when I say multi-gen, I, I don't have kids. You know, I'm 25 years old, so I'm kind of at this age where when I think multi-gen, I think about myself my mom and my grandmother going as well. Mm -hmm. And so something like having a single cabin, having accommodations like that as well, where you're not just maybe looking at the uh, typical two parents, two children setup where you would have an adjoining cabin, knowing that you have those additional accommodations as well in case someone else in the family wants to tag along. I think that that's, especially having the dedicated solo cabins, that's not something that you see very often. Yeah, and they're on every ship. We have the dedicated solos, and we actually have a share program as well. Um, you know, because we have a lot of solo clients, and mm-hmm. if they would like to get to know another fellow traveler, you know, we can set them up with a share program as well. And there are, uh, for family groups or groups that are traveling together, there are opportunities, you know, for eight or more guests, there is a 5% discount. Um, you know, for guests under 18 years of age, there's a $500 saving per child. So, you know, there's, there's great ways that we can help them curate their group um, through our, our expedition reservation team. And, you know, traveling was something that shaped me so much as a child. And I have been on so many ships now at this point because my dad was traveling when I was little. And so I learned, I learned how to travel. And it sounds like you are really... Lindblad is really instrumental in helping these children learn how to travel by giving them guides, by having them capturing information, by having them share what they've learned. I mean, that being that engaged, it gives you a different appreciation. And that's something that's a skill that you carry on with you as well. So I think that that's really cool. And I just wanted to say that. No, and look, that's really important. And that actually is a beautiful little segue to something that I that I should have said that is important. You know, often I'm asked, you know, what is the age group? You know, how young can a child be? And we actually don't have a cutoff for how young. Uh, we want to talk with the family because, as you said, you've been traveling since you were really young. Mm-hmm. So you were probably an accomplished traveler by the time you were four or five, six, right? Yeah. There are other families who maybe they haven't, they've never traveled outside the U.S. And so at the age of five, their children maybe have never done something like this. So a lot of the time it comes down to the experiences of the family as to what's a good fit 
right? Um, So we love to talk to families and figure out, you know, yep, that's a great first trip for you. That's going to be perfect. Galapagos, Alaska, they're they're absolutely fantastic. Um, You know, and making sure we get the right ages into the right destinations. Um, Whereas maybe you don't want a two-year-old going to Antarctica. Right. Well, and we don't have childcare. So the important thing for families to understand is, you know, you're in this together. So, you know, if you do have a very young child, that's the, you know, they're going to be on the Zodiac with you or someone's staying with them. So, and we have families that certainly do that. Um, You know, it's, but we want to help them understand so they get the very best out of the experience. I will tell you what always surprises me is we forget how much we as kids understood when we were young mm-hmm. and we so we look at our own children or our friends children and we go yeah they're not old enough yet Mm-mm. that is so wrong you know a five-year-old in Galapagos will take so much away from that people want to wait till they're teenagers no mm-hmm. no no mm-hmm. don't wait you know get your kids out into these wild places when they're five and six and seven because they have this amazing wonder and acceptance for everything that's around them Mm -hmm. you know they haven't got those preconceived notions and they just see the world through a very different lens and often we get to learn so much from the way they see things so don't underestimate your children you know allow them these experiences when they are young and is there an age is there a cutoff or for you do you guys have an age minimum age requirement Mm -hmm. Nope, we don't okay. actually. No. Mm-mm. So long as the children nope. are not running around causing a ruckus, everything is okay. <laughs> well, and it's and it's really interesting because the the because of the way they're engaged, you don't you don't get the ruckus causes. Yeah. Um they're so engaged and so mentally in it that they don't have the time to do that. It's 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 really quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I do want to talk to, just because you've painted this beautiful picture, you have told us about the igloos and the desserts and the, the igloos. I'll say it one more time. Uh, so what, what can I, if I'm going to, I'm ready to book now at this point, essentially is what I'm telling you. You have sold me. What is going to be included in my cruise fare? Okay, so it is a little different across the fleet. Um, okay. And so if you're looking, if you're looking at our bigger, our, our larger ships, and I use that word loosely because we talked about the fact that they're extremely intimate, and the biggest ship is 148 guests. But if you're talking about the National Geographic Explorer, the National Geographic Orion, National Geographic Endurance, and the National Geographic Resolution, so those four do our more, you know, Antarctic, Arctic, South Pacific. The longer, the bigger the boulder, right? Those include all of your gratuities and your bar tab, all of your daily activities, unless perhaps if we are doing diving, there is an additional charge for diving for for your air tanks. But it includes all of your daily activities, your photography component, your kayaking, um, your cross-country skiing if you're in Antarctica early season, your snowshoeing. That's an expeditionary activity. It shouldn't be an additional cost. Um, All those are included. Um, Your pre-hotel room nights, if if they're designated on that itinerary, your transfers from group flights, um, all of those are included. Flights are not. So, you know, we will always quote those internal flights or we have an air department that can help with international air. So that's on those bigger ships. In the Galapagos, 
all of your bar tab and Wi-Fi, all of your all of your national park fees, all of your um, activities ashore. Once again, all the snorkel gear, all the kayaking, paddleboarding, zodiac safaris, photography, all of that's included, and your pre and post night in Waikil and your transfers, all of that's included. But then when you when you do get up into Alaska, um, all of your daily activities are included. Um, all of you know your transfers to and from group flights. So it does vary a little bit between um, the different destinations. So it's always good when you're booking just and and you've got your ship selected and your destination just to talk with our expedition specialists and they can kind of put it all in a nutshell for you. I will also tell you the one one thing we didn't get to on the ships was uh, we also have some ships that we utilize at key times of the year, uh, which are Lindblad departures, but not Lindblad National Geographic ships. And so we have um, an amazing program in Scotland on the rivers and locks of Scotland on the Lord of the Glens. You have uh, in the Amazon the Delphine 2, which is a 28-guest ship. And I always say this, and peop- and it kind of conjures up uh, well, I'll, have you ever seen the movie The African Queen? No. Oh my goodness! With Humphrey Bogart, get yourself out and get the video. Anyway, so okay, great. The Say whole... no more. <laughs> I'm making a note right now. Good girl. The whole idea of the African Queen—it's it, it, not necessarily the boat because we don't want our boat to look like that. But the fact that they're kind of cradled in in the jungle and the trees are dripping down around them and they're in it and that is what the Pukaya Samiria Reserve and the and the Amazon with Limblad is like this tiny little 28 guest ship built out of sustainable hardwoods going down these really narrow tributaries and the the for, rainforest is kind of dripping in on you and the sounds and the it, it's just absolutely remarkable it's not the big wide river it's the it's the little tributaries that feed the amazon and that's what makes it really special um so okay amazon lisa i guess i'll go to the amazon <laughs> instead of being in my igloo okay good so that's two spots we've got you um and then we have on the Mekong, we have this gorgeous little ship, the Jahan, which is all balcony suites, and it, it harkens back. The ship is actually quite new, but she has this feeling of old world charm, this you know rich teak, and every stateroom is a different color, like these vibrant oranges and purples. And but to be on the Mekong with the, the you know the, the cuisine of the region, and that that's a Vietnam Cambodia trip. Mm. And then we have Marjorie Merriweather Post's Sea Cloud, which is a tall master sailing vessel. And, and if anyone knows Marjorie Merriweather Post, she loved to indulge. And this ship has golden taps and wood-burning fireplaces on a wooden schooner. Um, and, and it takes like 16 young men and women to scamper up and drop the sails. So you can sit there with your gin and tonic on the deck and listen to the wind in the sails as you go down the Dalmatian coasts or the Greek Isles or the Caribbean. And I mean, she's just, to see her under sail, if you're a sailor, there is no more grand vessel to see. Um, who am I missing? Oh, the Oberoi Filet. We do Egypt on the Nile. Mm. Um, and so there's just this this plethora of places that we go and they're, they're just all so very, very different. And to be honest, I, kind of I, sh- yep. I, I didn't know that you all did these river trips as well. I That yeah. is not something that I was aware of. The Mekong was one of my favorite cruises I've ever taken in my life. And I did Isn't that one as a young kid. I did it at 14. 
Um, but yes, it was, it is one that will just always stand out to me. Yeah. It's a special place. So no, this, this is the wonder of Limblad. You know, we, we, people think of us and they think Antarctica and Galapagos and the Arctic. And there's all these little hidden treasures that we do that, that people forget. And, um, yeah, no, we go everywhere. Yeah, I mean, if you go to the, if you go to your website, just down at the bottom, you have that outline of all the destinations too. Yeah. So you can yeah. always get more info there. Um, is there anything else that you want to talk about before we wrap up? Oh my goodness! I um, mean, I know as as you said earlier, we could talk all day here, <laughs> and I know that we could. We could um, look. I think just just the fact that now more than any time um i think reconnecting with wildness is so important um and and supporting these remarkable places around the planet that we go to ensure they're here for the next generation i i think that that's really important that as we come out of this you know great pause that we've been in for the last year that um we we maybe reevaluate how we travel a little to do it in a in a more sustainable way to to know that when we are stepping back out there we do it and protect the places that we love that we so eagerly want to get back to i think that's really important i think just a better awareness of our impact as we travel i think that would be a good thing yeah absolutely i cannot agree with you more just like everything that you've said today that was perfect way to round it out it's been my pleasure Thank you so, so very much for joining me. Thank you for giving me all of the inspiration. Now, I guess I have a lot of trips that I have to book. So I think you do. Okay. Thank you so much, Lisa. (laughs) Thanks, Britton. Have a great one. 